0: And welcome to Regeneratively Speaking, a podcast brought to you by the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm Emily Gregg. And I'm Joshua Huntsberger. In each episode, we bring you interviews with guest researchers and our institute's faculty covering the latest cutting-edge research on regenerative medicine. Today, we have Dr. Doris Taylor, who is Texas co-director of the Biorepository and. Sample Profiling Core, NHLBI Cardiovascular Cell Therapy Research Network, and Cardiothoracic Surgery Network, also Director of the Regenerative Medicine Research at Texas Heart Institute and Director of Center for Cell and Organ Biotechnology at Texas Heart Institute and Texas A&M University. Welcome to our podcast, and we're happy to have you here.
1: Thank <laughs> you. It's a real pleasure to be here.
0: Great. So I was hoping we could start off with you providing some background on what led you to be interested in regenerative medicine and tissue engineering. What was the spark?
1: Sure. Well, I always wanted to make a difference in the world. And um, when I (laughs) – it's funny. When I did my graduate work, I did work in the heart, um, ended up working in a lab. And I I was very interested in – what made cells alive Hmm. you know the first time you see heart cells beat in a dish you just go wow they really are alive (laughs) and it kind of it shocks you it makes you kind of think about it differently at least for me and so then I was in a molecular biology lab and we were trying to look at genes and somebody said well you know after you're born, your heart cells don't divide. You have the same heart cells your whole life. And I was like, that's weird. How does that work? And, and the dogma then was that as you age, your heart cells just get larger, and that's how your heart gets larger, not that you get more cells. Well, consequently, when people have a heart attack or some sort of injury to their heart, The heart can't really repair itself because there aren't a lot of cells stem cells if you will that can come in and mediate repair so what I what I said is I don't want to figure out how to make heart cells divide again that sounds really boring (laughs) plus there are a lot of other people already doing it who are way smarter than I am so I'm going to try to figure out how to put cells back into the heart and see if they can grow up and become heart cells. And that got me interested in transplanting cells into the heart. Great. Yeah.
0: That, that is exciting. So I was wondering if you could talk a bit about your education and how it prepared you for coming into leading such a new field. Um, and then maybe think about how do you envision future training programs in regenerative medicine to be effective in training the next generation of, of scientists? Because your undergrad, I, I believe, was in biology. There wasn't a set core curriculum in regenerative medicine. So how, how was that initial training? How did that set you up? And then where do you how do you envision us moving forward in sure. developing training programs that will really train the next leading uh,
1: scientists? Sure. that's actually a passion of mine I think what college does if you're lucky is teaches you how to think or how to ask questions and it almost doesn't matter what those questions are about as long as you learn how to ask them and are energetic and inspired about getting the answers because learning how to think Is really what we try to teach scientists how to do so I I would I would argue actually that the more diverse your background the more likely you are to um, the the more diverse backgrounds we bring together the more likely we are to solve real-world problems and building organs tissues Tissue engineering science—it's all about some pretty complicated problems that involve everything from, from uh, stem how to cell make
0: biology. Stem cell <laughs> biology.
1: How to make fluids go through a tube. Yeah. You know, in in Texas where I live now, the two big industries are the oil industry, the energy industry, and the medical industry. Okay, and there's an, there's a meeting called pumps and pipes where <laughs> oil people get together with medical people to talk about the fact that heart disease and a broken oil well in some ways are the same thing. Hmm. Because if a pipe goes bad in an oil field, it usually goes bad from the, for the same reasons that one of your blood vessels goes bad. Wow, yeah. And the same tools that have been developed to see in an oil well pipe have been perfected to see in a blood vessel. Yeah. So, so there's huge overlap from fields that you wouldn't even imagine. And then think about it. If we can't communicate what we do, doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Exactly. So writers, people who know how to express themselves well, Used to be that you made a whole, you could make a whole career on medical illustration. Well, artists, I still maintain that a lot of what we do is pretty darn beautiful art. Yeah. And so.
0: I mean, as you walk along our pathways, we have uh, an artist, Kelly Malukas, who um, has a a specific, um, you know, taking images from the lab. Yep. And it's her work Keys to a Cure Um, and that you know it clearly illustrates the need for art to tell that story and it's also gorgeous
1: and it's also gorgeous I have a a painting on my wall at home of a microscope slide uh, image from a microscope slide showing stem cells dividing and you can't tell that it's not modern art it's gorgeous so so Training the future of regenerative medicine. You know, really, it's a a hugely exciting time because not only is regenerative medicine becoming accessible, meaning that um, you can do it almost anywhere, it's also, and I'll tell you what I mean by that, it's also getting more specialized. So, on the one hand, people who couldn't say regenerative medicine ten years ago understand stem cells now or um can can make DNA at a museum laboratory or whatever uh, you know so so things are accessible at a level they've never been before at the same time we're being able to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the special specialties and I think the future is really taking people who've learned how to think or who've learned how to do and putting them in an environment that matches their passion whether, whether it's yeah. working on a computer to create the images or whether it's um, Building the tools that we need, yeah. or whether it's doing the biology. Yep. And, I, and, when, and then we all have to get in a room and be able to talk to each other.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I know that you have many research interests, but I wanted to focus on two of them. The first is on tissue engineering of bioartificial organs and vasculature. I know your group pioneered whole organ decellularization back in 2008. Um, where you had a landmark paper um, in Nature Medicine and used this decellularization strategy. I was wondering if you could give a little bit more background about this strategy and what progress you've made
1: um, since. Sure. You know, I, I mentioned earlier beating heart cells in a dish. Yeah. And if you see beating heart cells in a dish, you go, wow, that's really cool. But that's not a heart. You know, and we can't just take those simple cells and get them all together in one big clump and make a heart. We have to have somewhere to put them that will let them behave like a heart. You can, we developed a way to build that framework in which you put cells by decellularizing, removing all the cells from an organ or tissue that couldn't otherwise be used for transplant. So what we did is we took an organ, a heart, works with any organ as you know, and we stripped all the cells out by simply running essentially shampoo through the blood vessels. Once you do that, you're left with this framework. And the, the coolest thing about the framework is it looks like a heart. It still has all the, the the framework of a heart. Looks like a heart. You cut it open, it looks like a heart. Still has blood vessel tubes in it so we can feed everything. And then you start putting cells back in. Now, what we've learned is that putting cells back in the blood vessels, pretty straightforward. It's kind of like uh, putting, it's kind of like running cells into a garden hose they they're going to sit at the edges and make themselves at home gravity works in your favor there but then getting cells back into the, all the other parts of the heart is a little more complicated and that's where engineers come in we've figured out ways to either inject or infuse those cells using engineering tools or even using gravity in our to our benefit by rotating how we keep the heart and saying okay can we what can we build well we can build we can build valves we can build blood vessels we can build um, cardiac patches and more recently we've been able to Figure out ways to take all the cells that come from a heart, take them out of a given heart, and start putting them back in a whole heart. Now, what's the problem with building a heart compared to other tissues? Remember earlier I told you heart cells don't divide? Yeah. Well, if you're going to build a liver or something that looks like uh, something where the cells from that organ or tissue do divide or where that organ or tissue has a lot of stem cells, you can grow the cells you need and you can put them back in. And if you treat them like an organ, they start to behave like an organ. And what's been really cool, one of the things we've learned is we put cells back in the heart. If we don't give them the right electrical cues and we don't give them a blood pressure, To pump against they don't grow up and become heart cells they just kind of sit there and say oh cool we're in a new home we're in a nice comfortable place we'll be
0: so they we're not gonna grow up so
1: they have to be given they have to they have to be get uh, forced to work like heart cells to become heart cells Um, same things true for liver I don't know if the same thing's true for kidney. I suspect you all could tell me, but, yeah. but my sense is we're learning about not just cells and not just a scaffold and not just a framework, but we're having to recreate physiology. So we're essentially taking tools that nature's given us, and trying to rebuild nature's version of an organ. I think part of the future is going to be understanding. Right now, I would say it's still an art, not a science. And the future is going to be understanding those subtleties. For example, through all these experiments we've done, we happened to do an experiment where we said, We wanna follow the cells that we put back in an organ, and what's a really good way to do that? Really good way to do that is take cells from a male and put them into a female. And that way, any cells that have a Y chromosome, we know are the cells we put in, right? So we started trying to isolate cells from males and females. Found out males and females have different numbers of stem cells hmm. so nature is revealing itself one little bit at a time and every cue we get lets us move forward a little bit more um, right now we're at the point that we're focusing mostly on the different parts of the heart yeah. individually and then putting them back together. We're doing some cool experiments where we're trying to let nature rebuild most of the organ in vivo, and that's turning out to be a lot of fun. So we're transplanting scaffolds that are only partially recellularized and then hooking them up in a way that they have to function, and, and that's turning out to be really exciting.
0: And potentially that might be a very effective therapy, especially if you integrate the right biosensors, so you know, okay, there's a problem with the heart, and okay, just like
1: Spoke a car, like an engineer
0: just like a car, yeah. where you can plug in, your check engine light comes on, you go to the mechanic, and they diagnose, and they say, ah, here's here's the problem. If we have the appropriate biosensors, we can know, okay, it's your heart valve, it's only operating at X capacity. In three weeks time we're going to need to develop this right this patch for that right. um, and, and having that individual uh, diagnostic and then some of the technologies that can address each one of those problems right. I, I think will be um, become st- standard of care
1: I think there are three areas that we in which we need to focus prevention yep, obviously intervening early just like you said, biosensor, yeah. something says you're on this trajectory going downhill. On our smartphones. Right.
0: The, our, our biosen- right. the technology is already there. Right. It's already in place. You're
1: going downhill um, fast, let's fix it. Yeah. So we intervene early. Not necessarily with a with a tissue engineered construct, but with a regenerative medicine construct, whatever that yeah. is cells, genes, whatever, Yep. material, A- and then for the people who haven't been lucky enough to get those, to have those options work, or for traumatic injuries, to build whole solutions. Yeah. I, I really see that as the future.
0: Yeah, great. Great. Um, So the other research interest that I'd like to focus on is what your seminar uh, today is about, which is entitled, Maximizing Regenerative Medicine Strategies. Should the focus be the cells, the matrix, or the uh, inflammasome? And you've already touched on this a little bit, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the importance of gender differences um, in cardiac repair and then the role of inflammation in in regenerative medicine. I think those are two really interesting um, topics.
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a second and educate you like I've been educated over the last <laughs> X number of years. Gender is a socio uh, is a societal statement. Sex is a biologic statement. Uh huh. So so we say sex and gender differences because when you start talking about sex differences, people get uncomfortable the reality is animals don't have gender for example gender isn't it is not is a societal identification um, so I say that because what that means is a lot of research doesn't that's been done in this area doesn't get found Because most, I I laugh at this.
0: Most is done in males, right? No. Well, yeah. No, (laughs) no. What I was going to say
1: is, most of the databases won't let you look up sex differences because sex is a blocked word. Oh, interesting. So even if you try to look up the research that's out there, if it doesn't say gender differences, you won't find it. Huh. So. So it, it, there's actually a lot, of, a lot of things we need to come yeah. up to speed on in that area. You can't search for how many grants have been submitted to look at the differences between males and females because you can't look for sex differences. Huh. Isn't that interesting? That is really interesting. However, talking about the whole concept of regenerative medicine and how that might differ in, in males and females and how the role inflammation plays in that. I, I'll just give you my world view, which is inflammation is basically nature's cue after an injury to say, help, I've got an injury, send me cells. Yeah. And if you think about it, you fall down, you scrape your knee, turns red. What's that red? It's inflammation. Yep it's an inflammatory signal that says I've got an injury I need to stop the injury so you recruit cells there and if you get the right reparative cells there two things happen they, they start working from the outside in think about it you yep. scrape your knee yep. they work out in and they turn off that redness and that inflammation when if they so if you get the right cells there you turn off inflammation and you can mediate repair now if you're young and you ha- or you have healthy stem cells and enough of them you can regenerate that tissue if you don't you repair that tissue hmm. and what we've come to realize is that our stem cells decrease with age with disease, with stress, all of those things. Yeah. So, basically, the more hits you take, the fewer tools you have for repair when wi- yeah. when you need them. Yeah. Okay. Part of the f- well, the other thing that we know is that inflammation that cue very different inflammatory signals are very different in men and women mm. and part of that is because women have to have a different inflammatory response if they're going to be able to maintain a pregnancy to term mm. because if they reacted violently to every non self thing yeah. they'd never carry a pregnancy to term Consequently, the endogenous repair response is very different in men and women.
0: Mm. So, so are women better organ recipients than, um, than, than males if you were to look at <coughs> the um, rejection
1: rate? So what we know is that if you look at sex mismatched organs... Women do better receiving a male organ than males do receiving a female organ. Mm. Um, What we also know is that um, the same is true for bone marrow transplants. Now, what we've learned over the last X number of years is that if we examine – what are the sources of stem cells? At least in my field, the cardiovascular field, the main sources are bone marrow, blood, fat, and heart. Okay? We've looked at stem cell numbers in bone marrow, blood, and heart in men and women, both in animal models, experimental models, and in humans reproducibly they're completely different Wow. and women have a, at least in the heart about four times as many of all the stem cell populations we've looked at hmm. so but most of the clinical trials happen in men
0: yeah.
1: for a lot of reasons and so maybe we're missing the real signal That's part of what my research is focused on now. How inflammation is different, how the cues for repair are different, and how uh, the cells themselves may differ, and then the environment into which you put those cells. All our data show show that if we look at the mechanical properties of matrix, it too is different in males and females. Wow. Hmm. Think, uh, but think about that if a woman gets pregnant her blood volume goes up almost fourfold if that's true her heart has to be able to deal with this huge volume overload her kidneys have to be able to deal with this huge volume yeah. overload her lungs have to be able to deal and so reproducibly younger women's Organs are stiffer and have a higher birth strength than male organs. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So it's not even just at the level of the cells that we're different, it's even at the level of of our scaffold. Yeah. Really cool.
0: That is really cool. So your CV identifies numerous patent applications and uh, invention disclosures. Um, one struck me that, that I thought was really, there was a lot that were really interesting, but one struck me. Could you tell us a bit about the um, telecath for the Da Vinci robotic surgery system?
1: Sure. Uh, so we, we developed uh, uh, robotic surgery as part of the future. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the notion is that actually kids who grow up playing video games are going to be much better surgeons in the future <laughs> than kids who didn't because... Really, it's manipulating uh, a, joystick a joystick from yeah. a distance. What we developed are some both injection catheters and uh, if you want to be able to deliver new therapies, you have to be able to deliver um, in a robotic type environment. Yeah. We think, and so we dev- we simply developed some new. Injection catheters and um, some devices to hold the heart in yeah. a better way using a robot. Yeah, Kind of l- fun.
0: That is really exciting, yeah. I, I think that's another benefit of, of this field is being able to be pioneers, be leaders in developing the next – set of technologies that are going to be standard of care.
1: Yeah, if you think about it, we're developing new ways to treat people. Then we have to develop the ways to test those treatments. Yeah. And then we have to develop we have to convince the world that the tests are right and then the treatments are right. It's it's always about building new tools.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess a, a final question um, What would be a good take-home message from today's uh, podcast to leave uh, our our listeners with for for the field of regenerative medicine?
1: Don't be afraid of it. Your body does it all day, every day. Um, Really, we're just trying to harness biology and what our bodies do naturally and provide it um, in situations where There either hasn't been time or capacity for our body to do it. So the take-home message is it's not foreign, it's not strange. It's really just capitalizing on what we already do to heal ourselves. Yeah, Great. Well, thank you so much.
0: This has been a true treat.
1: Thank you. That's
0: all for this episode. Be sure to listen next time for the latest in regenerative medicine. This podcast is a production of the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine, part of the Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center. For more information, visit our website at www.wfirm.org or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at wfirmnews News.